And so I have kind of these concentric circles that I imagine around me of there are the friends like, oh my God, I need you right now and I don't know what to do without you calls. And they're very, very rare, but I want a few people in my life that I know, God forbid I'm in this place. For example, something happens to me, I can't get my kid. It doesn't matter how inconvenienced you'll be. I can call up that friend and be like, hey, my kid is stranded. I don't know what to do. I can't get there. Can you help me? And they're like, I've got a thousand things going on, but yes, sister, I love you so much. I've got you. Um, and then there's other friends who I'm like, hey, let's go get a bite to eat. Let's go lunch. Let's go tennis. Let's go do a fun thing together. So I've got this beautiful range of friendships so that I don't put my needs onto people who don't want or have the space for it. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Monica. I'm excited to have this conversation and touched that you said yes, because I know you have a lot of things going on and a lot that you're doing in the world. And I know it's going to be a treat for all of our listeners to meet you and understand your work and who you are. Thank you, Emily. It's a pleasure always to be with you, to learn from you, to share with you, to grow with you, to explore with you. So I'm excited for this time together. So I'm going to take the listeners behind the scenes a little bit. So you and I are newer friends in Austin, Texas, and our husbands are like BFFs <laughs> at this point. Um, and one of the things that you just said to me a few minutes ago was you'd love for people to understand a little bit more about our developing friendship. And I think that that topic in itself, in itself is really interesting because friendship, when you are an adult and you're running a business and you're a parent and doing all the things, it's obviously very different than friendship in other stages of your life. And it's been interesting for me to be in a relationship with you because you're, you're someone who I feel like I can immediately open up to. And I don't take that lightly because I don't open up to many people. And so I just wanted to say that first and foremost, like, obviously that speaks volumes about who you are, that you literally want to talk about our relationship on this show. <laughs> um, but it also speaks volume that you, you're so trustworthy and people feel so comfortable with you in your presence. Thank you. Um, the first thing that I want to say is you're a very beautiful and easy to love person. And I have witnessed how beautifully your husband seeks to love you. And that's not only a testament to him, but it's also a testament to the space you provide to be loved. And Jan and I really love to be the mentors and the role model in our marriage to those who long to have a healthy, not a perfect, by any means, like all relationships, in my opinion, require collaboration and work. And sometimes you're a beautiful version of yourself and sometimes you're a crappy version of yourself, but that your relationship can handle your growth and evolution and your good days and your bad days and that you each see each other from this loving lens. So the first thing that I'll say to you is what has attracted to me from the jump with you is your relationship with James is beautiful. I love the way you talk to each other. I love the way you support each other. I love how clear you are about who you are. And so for me, I want to spend time. I want to understand. And there's a level of nurturing inside of me because in so many of my relationships, I feel like I default to the role of being motherly. And what I long for is being more sisterly and being more friend realm rather than the nurturer, you know, I, I'll, I'll always wear the hat of mother in my relationships because I feel like that's just a gift. But I feel like you and I have things that we each have to learn from each other. And that feels really rich and really special and really unique to us. Yeah, I agree completely. 
And in speaking about your, your personal relationships and specifically your relationship with Jan, that's also something that I definitely admire that you guys, you know, you've, you've cultivated such a deep bond and you've been together for a long time. And I know you've mentioned to me in private that there were times where, you know, it was really challenging and there were moments of, are we actually going to stay in this and make it happen? So I definitely come, want to come back to that. But I'm curious to know within your adult female friendships, what is it that you do to cultivate such a deep connection and such richness? Like, I don't feel like you do anything surface level. So what is that about and how do you do it? So I'll give a little bit of history for it for anybody in your audience or anybody that loves you and knows you that may be in shoes like this. Early on in my life, I was raised by a very, very loving mom who lost her dad at 16. So when she had little girls, she wanted to pour all of her love into them because her dad was her person and she was modeled by him how to be so a yes and loving. And because she only got the amount of time she got, her dream was to just cultivate and nurture her daughters. And then my father, as a stark contrast, was basically a latchkey kid from the age of 10 to 14 on, really had a very, very, wouldn't want to wish it upon anybody childhood. And as a result, moved to, from Europe by himself at 17. And I have a 19-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. So to imagine my child going and starting their life on their own at that age, like there's just, that I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And so my father needed to be strong and tough and, and courageous. And so he taught his girls that, that rule and that life and stark contrast from my mother, all that loving and nurturing. He was like good, bad, right, wrong, and lots of judgment. So my early friendships were about, let me prove to you I'm lovable. And there were two ways I learned how to do that. One was being really smart and really capable. So people kind of needed me and that felt really good for me. If I was needed, then I felt valuable. And two was have all the answers. If I had all the answers, then I could never let someone down. Well, that one kind of kicked me in the face and punched me in the gut quite time over time over time again, because People don't want to be told what to do. People don't want to be told that they don't know. And so here I am thinking, this is my survival. If I tell people what to do, they'll think, oh my gosh, she's so helpful. Let's keep her around. And instead it was ostracizing. They're like, we don't need you to tell us what to do. Get away. So I lost many friends, felt very different, felt very judged, felt misunderstood because I wasn't judging them. I felt like I was trying to be this contribution in their lives. So jump forward many, many years and many heartbreaks of relationships later, I started realizing, keep your mouth shut, Monica, be quiet until asked and become really good at listening. And then when I got my master's in spiritual psychology, what I learned there was not only be great at listening, but be great at reflecting them. And then when they want to know you, then you'll be able to share about you. And there will often come a time. And if there isn't, that's really who they are. And what they need from you is to be a great listener and a great space holder. So I got really comfortable and, and then went into a line of profession where I could be a great listener and a great space holder. Now, the cost of that for me over the many years has been sometimes I'm so good of a space holder that I don't get my own needs met, which then brings Jan and my children and really close friends into my circle you know, as you and I get to know each other a little better, there will be moments where I'll say, hey, I just want to share with you a little bit about what's important to me about friendship so that you know and you can decide for yourself, am I in on that or I can't really provide that for you? Like, I would really request you don't have that expectation of me or you don't have that request of me. And then what it does for me is it has me measure what can I ask of this person in my life? How far can I actually go? When, when should they be the call? Are they the number one call that I make? Or are they the fifth call that I make when I want to just share kind of what I'm going through and how I'm feeling about it, but I'm not calling for like a lifeline call. And so I have kind of these concentric circles that I imagine around me of there are the friends like, oh my God, I need you right now. And I don't know what to do without you calls. And they're very, very rare. 
but I want a few people in my life that I know, God forbid I'm in this place. For example, something happens to me, I can't get my kid. It doesn't matter how inconvenienced you'll be. I can call up that friend and be like, hey, my kid is stranded. I don't know what to do. I can't get there. Can you help me? And they're like, I've got a thousand things going on, but yes, sister, I love you so much. I've got you. Um, and then there's other friends who I'm like, hey, let's go get a bite to eat. Let's go lunch. Let's go tennis. Let's go do a fun thing together. So I've got this beautiful range of friendships so that I don't put my needs onto people who don't want or have the space for it. I think that's so amazing. I've never thought about it that way. And I'm just thinking about how many assumptions we make about friendships mm -hmm. and about what other people are available for without even having the conversation with them and understanding where they're at, how much can they give, how much do they want to give, what's in alignment for them. And so are you, are you literally saying that you'll ask people, you know, how, like, how would you even have that conversation? How do you know where to place somebody? Well, I did it wrong for a long time where I kind of did make an assumption that they would yeah. be there when I called and I would get, I don't know if I would go as far as punitive, like I got, would get burned, but sometimes I would get burned by people where I would, whenever they called because they were in my first circle, I would drop anything, even my own kids stuff. Like, unless it was urgent for my kids, like I would drop something, Hey Jan, I got to go help this friend. And he's like, okay, babe, I love you. I know that you need to do that versus I'd call them when I'd be in that moment of need that was like once a year or once every two years. And they'd be like, I'm sorry, I've got so much going on. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they, they were there for me. You know, and it would become an emotional experience for me. Like, wow, I thought something was different than what I wanted or needed. So then what I started to do is I just simply said, hey, there are certain moments in my life when I need a friend like this. And we've spent so much time together. I've really shared with you. I've been so intimate with you. Are you open to me calling you for these kinds of things? And I kid you not, the more I've asked, the more clear I've gotten. Certain people will say, yeah, I don't know that I would be able to be available for that. And I'm like, great. Thank you so much for letting me know. Because now I have no assumption and therefore no disappointment at all with people that are at different walks of life as well. That's amazing. And I'm assuming that you do that in your relationship with Jan as well. I mean, I know he's one of those people that would drop anything, but we also have assumptions about our partner that aren't always true. So is that something you do in marriage as well? I was going to say full circle back to Jan. It's kind of like a daily, weekly, monthly conversation between us. One of the things we got really clear of probably about 10 years into our marriage, and we've been married 22 years, but together 30. So about 10 years into our marriage, we started saying, hey, I don't want to make an assumption that who you've always been is who you are today. So there are going to be times when I think you'll do this, but I'm going to still ask. And I want you to know that I'm simply asking to honor you. I'm not asking because I don't think you're doing it. I'm not asking you because I'm judging you. I'm literally asking you because what if things I've always asked of you in the past have changed and you don't want to be responsible for all the things that I used to ask. And he has been so grateful. And I, in exchange, have been so grateful to know I'm not boxed into the wife he thinks I should be or the partner he thinks I should be. I'm, he's flexible in considering, you know, and, and this is, this plays a big role right now in our life. There's actually something we're going through right now where we have multiple businesses. I have my one-on-one -on -one coaching. He has his one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then we have programs and group work that we do together in partnership for relationship coaching. And in the last two years, two or three times now, what has come forward is I really love to do what you and I do together, but I don't want to really do the back end. I really, could you do the back end of that? So I can really focus on the front and back end of the things I want to bring to life. And sometimes for a little while he gets hurt because he's so committed and wants to do this work together. And yet there's a whole side of Monica that wants to be expressed that isn't doing that expression with Jan. So I navigate through a very fine line and a lot of open heartfelt communication and check-ins like, hey, are you okay with that? This is really important to me. And currently, 
I have been playing really small. And I said to him, I don't mean to be blaming you for this, but I want to bring forward that I have allowed myself to get very complacent and just do the bare minimum with you because I'm putting me on the back burner. And I don't think that I can anymore. And he'll say a beautiful, like, please don't put yourself on the back burner. I didn't know. And so we just embrace the dialogue and it's uncomfortable at times. And one or the other of us sometimes gets our feelings hurt and then we talk it through. James and I had a relationship coach named Marla Mattinson and she always talked about exquisite honesty. And that's what I'm thinking about as you're talking about this here. And it's not uh, the easiest thing in the world. It gets easier with practice, but it's definitely so important. And I love how you mentioned, you know, coming back to you're not the same person that you were in year one or year 10 or year 20 and checking in and saying, you know, is this, is this still aligned for you? Is this still resonating? And obviously being brave enough and courageous enough to share when it's not and share when things have changed. Um, Cause I know when I think about my first dates with James, sometimes I'll look at him and I'm like, I can't believe you were that guy who I met <laughs> along the Thames for that breakfast date. Like, I can't believe you're that person. And now we're here in Austin, Texas with this baby running this business. Like, you know, it's so, so different. And in so many ways, very unpredictable and not what we would have expected. And we're very different people. And so to think that everything's going to be the same and the relationship's going to be the same, that's just not true. No. Well, and I imagine also with the birth of your beautiful baby, Charlotte, roles are shifting and changing week by week by week. You know, initially she needs mama a lot, but then there's going to come a time when dad can play more of a role. But that also might be the same time that he's also embarking on some of his outreach and some of his growth. And so then it's like, wait, this isn't fair because I was so heavy duty mama and now I want you to take on the reins so I can really dive into my business again. And yet you're diving into your business. And so now, and it's like <laughs> yeah. how we ebb and flow part of it is just really honoring. I see you husband. I see you wife. I love you husband. I love you wife. And I want to meet you where we both can be in the experience of growth as well as compromise. Like we both have to sometimes make some of the hard decisions, but it's not like it's a hard decision forever. It's mm -hmm. literally like this week, what are we going to do? Okay, yeah. next month, what are we going to do? And what Jan and I are going by right now in our current expression because we have one daughter that's about to go off to college. We have another that's about to transition from elementary to middle. So there's a lot of transition in our world. We're going month by month right now, month at a time feels really good. So how are we, what are we navigating in terms of what we're offering in our business in the month of May? What are the new things that we want to elicit to bring in a different clientele, a different amount of clients, a different offering? And then how are we really being present? This is the last month of high school of my daughter. So it's really important for both of us that we're there for her and we're at the events and we're making it a priority and we're talking about it with her and we're sharing with her, which takes our focus off the business just a little bit. And he and I are both like, okay, can we breathe even if it gets a little scary because we're spending a lot of the focus time on our daughter because the clock is ticking. August is just a few breaths away and she moves off to Florida in August. So we're just month by month. What do we need? And how do we be the best version of ourselves with each other as we're going through the emotional roller coaster and be great parents with our daughters? Yeah. James and I have been listening to um, Ed Milet. Do you know Ed Milet? Yes. Yeah. So he saw him speak a few weeks ago on Brendan Burchard's stage. And I wasn't familiar with him, but now I've been devouring his podcast. And he has a whole sort of teaching around um, just one more and in particular one more day because that's what his dad used to say. He was a recovering alcoholic. He just had to be sober for one more day. He never promised a month. He never promised 90 days a year. So I've been really thinking about that, especially in this new transitional period and everything that we have going on, just literally taking it one day at a time. <laughs> and it seems like everything changes so quickly, not just with the baby, but in the online business world. And so it's like, you really can't plan for that far in advance. Like you can have big visions and dreams and desires. And for me, that stuff hasn't changed. It's, you know, maybe ebbed and flowed, but I've always had big dreams, but like the how and the day to day and what it looks like and the exact strategy and all of that. I just feel like I'm not even going to go there right now. Like I'm literally just taking it day by day. That's beautiful.
And I think when you do have a young one, it's like even more precious because they grow so much day by day. I mean, like one day they don't know where their feet are and the next day they have found their feet and they're in their mouth. Like it's so poignant to witness the evolution. And I'll also say one other thing to what you just said, having moved to Austin, many of the months, you know, so August will be year two. So in year one, every single month, I learned something new about Austin. So there's this moment that's coming up sometime at the end of April, May, where all these butterflies are born and then they start the migration. And so we're driving around our neighborhood last April and all of a sudden there's hundreds and thousands of butterflies right before they migrate that are just all coming out of their cocoon ready to migrate. And so I said to Jan, what a beautiful reminder and metaphor for life that we, every season has its day by day nuances that one day there were no butterflies and the very next day there's thousands of butterflies coming out of their cocoons. And what if we could relate to each other like, Who's the you I'm meeting today and how do I nurture what we need to have a beautiful reflection, like gratitude at the end of a day. I'm so grateful for this day for these two things. Now there may be 20 things, but like if every day I could lay my head on my pillow and say, thank you God for this gift of this day. Here's what I learned. Here's what I did. Here's the progress I made. Here's the progress that I get to save for tomorrow. And I'm so grateful for another day that I have made it and grown and, and loved you more, loved our children, loved a friend, loved a client. And when I wake up the next morning, not thinking about all that wasn't accomplished and the stress, which sometimes I wake up feeling and the weight of what needs to get done. If I could wake up and feel like the breath of a new day and then just have one to two things that at the end of that day, it was a great day because I accomplished those one to two things. And if I accomplished 10, excellent, that's a super day. But if I could really begin to live my life at that pace and at that acknowledgement, and I don't do a great job of it. I am not a master of those days yet, but I'm definitely building the muscle because I like myself better. Hmm. And how do you manage the fact that you and Jan are both coaches? Because I believe you said to me one time that you have a rule that you don't actually coach one another. And, you know, you are both masterful coaches and there's uh, so much knowledge there and so much wisdom that it's kind of a shame that you don't coach each other. I'm just kidding. But how do you manage that? And what happens? Like, do you just make sure that you have friends that you can speak to? You have your own coaches. Um, how do you avoid the temptation of giving advice or coaching one another? So most of the time we either have a friend or we have a coach we reach out to ourselves and separate people for both of us. We don't have the same person. And then we also wear hats. So we're like, you know, if I, if I feel like, are you open to any feedback or any insight? I'll say, Hey babe, are you open to something? I have an idea or I have an intuitive hit. And if he's in the space to hear it, then he'll say yes. And I'll like, I'm putting on my coach's hat. Here's the information. But I'm really, really cautious and very attuned to, is he just moving through something himself because he's such a good self-reflective coach, like he can do it? Am I getting in his way by thinking that I have a solution or an idea or a, a way to think about it? Or am I, activating or providing something. And I'll say that nine times out of 10, I'll default to he knows he's got it. And sometimes how it will come out, especially if I'm rubbed the wrong way is, you know, I would suggest and encourage you to go and talk to someone about this because I'm not the person to talk to you about this, especially if I'm emotional about it because it's not gonna come across as loving and kind and equanimity. It's gonna come across with an edge and I know my edge, my edge is intense and can be harsh. And I, I'll, I don't wanna be harsh with him. I want him to have the space to go through whatever he's going through. The other thing that I'll say is we have very different love languages. You said earlier, you and James are quite different. We have very different love languages. I'm an acts of service love language and he's a words of affirmation. So what fills him and has him feel reassured is not the same as what fills me. 
And our knee jerk is whatever we love to receive is often what we also feel really easily able to give. So he'll give me beautiful words of affirmation and it won't land for me as full as when he does nice, thoughtful things for me. And so I just get to remind him if I feel like that's been missing over some time. And he also gets to remind me and literally, Emily, he'll say to me, hey, can you tell me how great I did today? After like, let's say we do a coaching call and I'll say, yes, I would be happy to, because at this point in my life, I don't judge that it's right or wrong. Now I know where it comes from and I want to fill the bucket in whatever way it's empty for him. So in the past you did judge that? Oh, in the past I got mad at him and would yell at him and tell him, do you need another gold star? <laughs> I'm sure that was received really well. It wasn't kind, but I just felt like, isn't this what a father does? Isn't this what a husband does? We're business partners. This is what you're supposed to do. I shouldn't have to ask, but you know, we're human too. And sometimes we are not operating on all cylinders because we've got our own emotional stuff we're going through. And Jan is way more of the emotional sharer and I'm way less. I don't always tell him what I'm going through until it gets really like, I can't hold this anymore. I need to now share it with you. And that's where friends or a coach becomes really important for us because then I have a safe place to share it with someone. And the coach that I'm working with at this time is a very non-traditional, non-linear type coach, very spiritual, like a guru type person. And he really encourages me to be in two places. One is the place of what I'm feeling and going through now. And the other one is the place of the awareness of the me that's going through it. And I know this, I teach this, I call it the observer, the observer in our life. If you can become the observer, you have so much more space to be the compassionate one for your human experience, your egoic experience. But being reminded of it and slowing down. We go into meditative states, we go into breath, we go into song, we go into body movement. And the somatics and the vibration and the work that I'm doing around it helps me not tap out of my body when I feel insecure, unsure, unworthy. And he said a beautiful thing the other day that I wanna reference, which is there's a part of us called the wanter. And from the moment we're born, it wants to survive. So how does it do that? Well, it wants air, so it needs to breathe. And it wants, it has thirst, so it needs to be able to be quenching its thirst. And it has hunger, so it needs, and that wanter develops and it becomes way more complex as we grow and interact and become part of our environments and, and relationships. And the wanter's not bad for wanting. But the wanter can want things and never be satiated because its very survival depends on its want versus the awareness of the wanter that says there's nothing missing, nothing needed, nothing more, nothing less. It simply just witnesses the wanter wanting and it just honors that there's a space in which the wanter resides and then there's everything else. And can you be in both paradigms, receiving and, and filling and nourishing and nurturing the self and the awareness that knows there's nothing missing while the wanter wants. Because it's so, we're so, in my opinion, conditioned in society to want more, to strive for more, to want to work harder. But the wanting can then foster the experience of unworthiness, not enoughness. And so where I fall short and where I judge friendships or Jan or whatever is when I feel like I want something or I need something, the need doesn't get met and I feel wrong or bad that I wanted it in the first place. Versus, oh, my wanter wanted it, the need wasn't met, but the awareness knows the need doesn't need to be met to feel whole. Because mm. there's no lack there. There's no lack. Mm. You said to me once that you're not the type of person to necessarily offer up advice 
because you don't believe that anyone needs to change or is anything wrong with them or is lacking in anything. Um, I might be butchering this, but can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think that coaching style and that friendship style is so interesting because so many people are getting into coaching relationships, looking to be fixed and coming in with the belief that they're missing something or something is wrong with them. And so many people are just getting into relationship because of that reason as well. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. First of all, thank you for reflecting that. And I love the question that might be my favorite question ever. Um, and part of where that was born was out of giving advice. For years, I gave advice thinking people needed my life experience. I'd already been through it. So let me offer it to you so you don't have to go through the pain and suffering I went through. And here I'm thinking like how heroic and loving and generous of me. And I learned, and the way I'll say it to just kind of expand on what you said is, I believe and was taught and totally aligned to this thinking or feeling everyone was born with their own inner resources to do the work they need to do. Now I'll make one very important caveat. If someone has abuse or mental health issues or something that's an extreme off and they are abusive and you know physical or emotionally abusive, I'm not saying that, you know, there is a part of them that at the core, their awareness self, their divinity that is pure and whole, but I'm not condoning that kind of behavior. So put that on the side over here. Like, I'm not saying love everybody, peace and, and chilling out. Everybody's perfect. I'm not saying that, but I am saying, who am I to think that I know generationally, historically, hereditarily, who am I to think I know better than them what they need? What I can see is based on what they're doing, if they're presenting with my peace is disturbed, I'm upset a lot, or I'm wanting so much and never acknowledging what I do have or what I have accomplished, I'm not valuing the parts of me that I get to value, then what I act as is a guide to help them remember hey, there's multiple aspects of you at work here. And could we help the part of you that feels so disturbed so the part of you that knows you're divine and that there's nothing more you need to do or be to be able to be lovable, like there's nothing you need to do to be loved or to be love. So if people could experience that as a truth, I believe people would enter still into coaching, but it would be evolutionary coaching, evolving into their fullest human expression, their fullest human potential, evolving the gift that's in them. Because I believe we all are born with several inherent gifts. And then we also, depending on the environments that we're in, we web, I call it webbing, we web our gifts together so that that your gift is amplified because I am receiving it. And then that means you teach it better. And now we've amplified the gift and we both can share our gifts. But if you enter into friendships, relationships, coaching, or you go in saying, I'm so broken and I'm counting on someone else to fix me, then you might never believe you're capable of it on your own. And then where do you actually, where does the healing actually begin? So it's essential for me that on day one, coaching session one, discovery session one, people know I'm not here to tell you what's right and wrong for you. What I'm here to tell you is, hey, if you're doing this and it's causing you suffering, let's come up with three to five other things that you might consider. Let's have you try them and let me know which one works best. And then we can really expound on that one and amplify that one. Yeah, so beautiful. And I think it's so, so important because people are coming into relationships, like you said, looking for somebody to fill them or fix them and never actually learning to do the work themselves. And no one else can tell you, you know, what's right for you. you your job as the coach in particular is to help people tune in and get that clarity. And yes, you help them along the way and you help them uncover certain things, maybe in a way that they couldn't have themselves, but ultimately they are resourceful. They are powerful. They have the answers. Yeah. Well, and who on the planet ever wants to be told, no, you really are a failure and you really are messed up. Wow. That really sucks for you. I'm so sorry that you have such a shitty, you know, hand that you were dealt. Like, 
Whoever would want to hear that? And if you validate that someone is wrong or that they're broken or that there's some inherent, they, they've got it wrong, what resources are they going to attune to and what healing is going to be able to take place? Because what they keep looking for evidence for and what they keep internally referencing is the proof they're wrong, they're broken, they're unworthy. And I don't ever want someone to feel like, oh, see, even Monica said that I should confirm that I'm unworthy. I don't ever want that. What I want people to wake up to is there is greatness and your beautiful and unique gifts. And let's wake you up to that. And let's focus 100% on the gifts. And then let's see what happens. Let's just be open and see what happens. And Jan tells a really funny story. He says, you know, you go to school, you're, let's just say you're in third grade and you're really, really good at math and you're terrible at English. You don't know how to write a paper. You don't know how to do the, you know, beginning intro con summary conclusion. You just, you don't have it. Where does the teacher focus its attention on making you better at English versus acknowledging you and elevating your incredible skills and prodigy and, and adeptness in math. And we got it wrong in the teaching environment. Like we want to teach people to be able to be well-rounded and have breadth, but highlight people where they're excellent so that the confidence of their excelling blows them into a feeling of I matter and I'm worthy. And then when they do the work on English, they'll have the confidence and gumption to do it. But mm. we, it's like society has it upside down in, in several examples. And I don't think it's serving our children and I don't think it's serving people. And how do you do that for yourself in daily life? Because it's so important to have that skill set, uh, you know, at some point to be able to champion ourselves and bring ourselves up. How do you do that for yourself? Beautiful question. I think a high percentage of my life, I do a pretty good job of it. And another part of my life, I really don't. So for example, right now I'm going through a little bit of a health itch situation in my life and it's a stress related onset of something. So most of the time when I experience feeling stressed or some sort of anxiety or feeling pressure about things in our life, I take baths and I listen to my books on tape and I talk to my coach and I do my breath work and I get out in nature and I do a lot of beautiful things to deepen my relationship to my mother energy, my nurturing energy and the divine. But sometimes when you can imagine bombarded, 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 a lot of hard things in a very short amount of time, it's, it's actually how PTSD gets the onset of PTSD happens too much overwhelmed emotional stimuli in a short amount of time and it can set you into that motion. So I had a lot going on in a very short amount of time, was balancing and juggling a little bit too many things, wasn't talking and sharing about it, um, and had kind of done a transition with a coaching relationship that I had had. So we had had one coach and then we kind of stopped working with that coach in January. And I just brought on my new coach last month. So those three months of not doing the work, thinking that I was doing enough of the work that I needed to do. So now what I've brought forward is so definitely my body work, like I need to actually write or dialogue or close my eyes and do and meditative process where I'm connecting to the parts inside that have the feelings. That's a very important part. Then physical getting out in nature and connecting to something bigger than me. <clears throat> and then <coughs> being able to share with friends, connecting with people who love me and see me and allowing to myself to receive that loving, those are the ways that I currently do that. And yeah, I'm just thinking about that. If you, so at the end of your day, what would your process look like? Like there, is there any sort of reflection that you do as well? And, and the reason I'm asking this and where this is stemming from is I know that you're a high achiever. I know you have big dreams and I'm one as well. And so in addition to the body work and getting out in nature and speaking to people, I have to remind myself to celebrate myself, to pour love into myself. Is there anything you do in that respect as well? Uh, yes. So 
right now what I'm doing is my coach has several beautiful recordings. And some of those recordings are around uh, activating the loving blessing inside of me, connecting to my inner knowing, connecting to what we call the inner counselor. So I'm connecting to the wisdom inside of me or the older version of me, the 80 year old self of me, or I'm connecting to the mother, the divine mother, like mother nature energy or father nature energy. And I'm, I'm basically sitting in reverence of it. Like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. So I'm doing that every day right now, because if I skip a day, I feel like I might go into my negative thoughts. So, and, and you're, you nailed it. I'm really a high achiever and I really like things to be way further than they ever, they ever seem to be like, there's more and more and more and more and more. So mm -hmm. I'm spending time acknowledging I'm right here right now. And when I listen to these recordings, it stops me because what it's the whole premise of these recordings is the distinction of the wanter and the longing and the more and the not enough and the observer of all is well. And how cute or how sweet or how tender of that girl who's doing those things. And when I can see both of those sides of me, this beautiful walk between both, actually um, it strengthens and softens my nervous system. So I'm not having the, the natural stress response. I'm actually going into a deeper sense of breathing. And then I'm also creating completely new habits for my day-to-day -day practice. So I was working, 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 going, 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 which is often what I do when I'm in go mode. Like think of it like seasons. So there are certain seasons of my working year where I'm in gestation and in creation with Jan or with my uh, you know team. There are other seasons where I'm literally like, okay, summer's coming and we're going to take the month of July off. So here's all the things we need to do leading up to that. So there's production mode. And then there's ideation mode. So what I literally created with my assistant is we have times as accounted for in my schedule that are get shit done progress mode. There is ideate and growth mode. So no work forwarding my business. All it is is creative. It could be creative writing. It could be painting. I picked up the guitar the other day. Like it's introducing new ways to activate different parts of my system so that I'm in my body, not trying to leave and get to the next. And by doing those practices, I mean, I've only been doing this for a week now because last week I just had this big awareness when my health kind of hit the fan last week, I was like, okay, what can I actually change that might change my pace? So that's what I've been doing. And this week I've actually had quite a joyful week and there's a lot going on this week in terms of the kids' school. And so I'm finding like I'm skipping through my life and through my days as opposed to running and chasing my day. And that's been a big change. And is joy one of the sort of mile markers for you of when you're doing well? Um, I would say that it's softness. Mm. I like having joy, but joy is more of the result. What I want is the feeling inside of myself of, honey, you're doing great. I'm right here. We've got this, babe. Let's go. You're doing so great. Can you breathe right now? Hey, don't go over there yet. We're not ready to do that yet. Stay right here for just a moment. Hey, do one more five-minute section of your guitar. You're really enjoying that right now. Just stay right here. It's that voice in me that's tender and kind and loving. I call her the gooey. She's the gooey voice. And she's super gooey. And I, 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 I made up this word. Anytime I eat something or I love something like so, so, so much, I call it delicia magushi. <laughs> like it's delicious and it's gushy and it's gooey and it's all that. So I like to have delicious magushi moments. I like to have gooey moments because it feels like I'm paused. So joy is definitely the result, but being in joy, like enjoyment, fulfillment in the moment presence, that's what I'm searching for. I heard Jenna Kutcher say once that she has to work just as hard at relaxing as she does at building something. Are you right there too? Um, I would say that I'm doing the un 
collapsing and unraveling of the work mindset so that I'm playing instead of working. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work to relax. I want to play to relax and work to accomplish. So I would say that I have a spin on Jenna Kutcher, what she says. My spin is play when you get to play so that the creative juices and the little one comes out and work when you get to work. Hmm. I love that. What has been uh, your biggest challenge in your marriage that you've had to overcome or gotten to overcome? I'm going to rephrase that. Uh, Let me say that there's two. Uh, it's so the the initial one was when we were early the first 10 years of our relationship was kind of like are we in are we out are we in are we out are we in are we out and the breakdown was always communication like i mentioned earlier he's a words of affirmation and i was like why do i always need to tell you how great you are why can't we just get stuff done so i was much more of my sister calls me sometimes as a joke the bulldozer. So I was much more of a bulldozer early in our relationship, which doesn't breed collaboration. So in the second part of our marriage, we've really worked on and and rested inside of everything is collaborative. The other thing that Jan has really helped teach me is I know, Monica, that you're always and I hope you know that I'm always coming with a loving intent. So if I yell about something and I'm mad and frustrated, I'm not mad and frustrated and trying to break Jan down. My loving intent is, I'm so frustrated, not Jan, you make me so frustrated. So avoiding assigning blame and assigning labeling has been a pivotal shift in our relationship because I can feel lots of feelings but it doesn't mean it's Jan's fault. It means he may have done something that in my world doesn't work the way I wanted it to work. And my job is how can I help Jan see what I need differently and is he willing to meet me there? So that has been a very big change. So communication and collaboration are the two things that have transformed the way we do loving each other. That's beautiful. And it makes me think of a conversation we had with Jan around the way you also support your clients. So he gave an example of people, there's the person who likes to do the dishes right after dinner. And then there's the person who likes to watch TV and do the dishes later. And oftentimes there's blame that goes back and forth about not being on the same page, but it's not really an issue with each other. It's a dishes issue. (laughs) So can you speak to that about how to not go into blame and why that's so important? So good. Yes. So what we call that is ping pong. And what tends to happen is we were modeled by our parents or modeled by whoever did relationship around us that someone's right and someone's wrong. And if you win the relationship, then the person will change and you'll get your needs met and they'll be better for it. And that is a huge misunderstanding going into relationships because no one wants to be told that they're wrong and no one wants to feel like someone's better than the other. So instead of it being about the people, Because the minute it's about the person, now the person has to change. The person has to go get a a therapist or a coach. The person has to go do all these things to become better so that the relationship will work. Well, that is highly unlikely and would be really hard to, I can't control whether he's going to become everything that I need him to become. But what I can have a say in is if we have a dishwashing problem, then we can have a conversation that says, so in that example, by the way, I'm the one that washes the dishes right while or after I'm doing the dinner because I can't relax unless they're done. And he's the one that likes to just chill out, sit on the couch, maybe watch the show, and then he'll circle back around. And my fear about that was always, but what if you are too tired and then they're waiting in the dishes in the morning and then I'm the one that gets up early in the morning and I'm the one that's going to have to do it anyway. So it it came from that place. So, but what we realized is, What if we had an agreement and it becomes a complete agreement conversation? What if we had an agreement about some of the time you get to do it your way and some of the time I get to do it my way and you're not wrong for having a way and I'm not wrong for having a way. Now, if we are in a partnership where our partner has a justification all the time for why their way is the right way, now we have a different conversation because there's not ability for agreement. There's not collaboration. 
But if we have a partner who is reasonable and willing and open to compromise and collaboration, well, then it's like, hey, I'll do it four times a week because it matters more to me. And would you take two? And then one night a week we can go out. And often just the compromise and the conversation often actually creates a shift in the environment. But when two people feel like they're meant to be made wrong, come to the relationship, there's not a lot of space to heal. And so then this thing called ping pong where, no, I'm right. No, you're wrong. No, you said you were going to do this. Hey, didn't we have an agreement about this? Well, it was an unspoken agreement because I never agreed to do that every time. And the ping pong doesn't ever align to what someone's true heartfelt desire is and what they want to create together is. So we use that as a beautiful example of if you have a dishwashing problem, you can talk about how you want to create a different compromise and collaboration versus you have a people problem and then... What are you going to do to make someone change? Hmm. I love that. And you've been in this industry in the coaching space for a long time. And so I'm curious to know, are there any red flags that you look out for when it comes to taking on a client in your practice or working with a couple? Is there anything you look out for and avoid at this point in time? For sure. I love that question. So early on in my client coaching experience, I was very focused on trauma. And I guess part of it was because I remember loved giving advice. And part of it was because I had the misunderstanding I was meant to be a savior. And I I had the answers and I was supposed to save and help people and, and make their life work. And like I said, I learned very quickly, who am I to think that I know better than what they know and what they have inside of them? So now I've really chosen that we are human experiences and expressions and we're a divine being working through this earth school. That's what I believe. So I, I tend to choose to work with people who recognize themselves as a certain level of their expertise. They're not operating inside of, I'm a complete victim, I'm worthless, I can't do it. I really refer people like that, that are at that stage of their awakening, at that stage of their discernment. Again, I don't judge where they're at. I don't judge that it's right or wrong. It's just, I'm at the space where I really want to accelerate their pace. I want them to rise to their human potential. I want them to see the gift that they are and play with it in all areas of their life, in their business, their relationships, in what they're creating and in the gift that they are, the full expression of them. And if I'm working with someone that is in their trauma and limited in that way, it's very unlikely that we're going to get to that part of the coaching. So I really have discerned, I do this beautiful introductory session, and it's both an opportunity for them to get a sense of me and for me to get a sense of where are they at in their development and are they ready for the kind of coaching and the kind of pace that I'd love to be on. And if they're not, I either refer them or I put them into one of our programs where they're learning some of the fundamentals so they can find their own inner knowing and dialogue and support and self-worth. And then we can engage in coaching. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I wanted to ask, because I know you have really great boundaries around that and some great processes. So before I get to our final question, where can people find you in the online space? So there are four great places for people to find us. You can find me at Monica Zanz Coaching, and my name's spelled with a K, so Monica Zanz with a Z Coaching in Instagram. You can find all the offerings and programs that both my husband and I do together at Jan, J-A-N, and the word and, Monica, M-O-N-I-K-A, dot com. And then we have a whole slew of videos all about how to do relationships, how to navigate life, how to navigate business, how to navigate things so that you can have an elevated experience. And that's on YouTube, again, at Jan and Monica and YouTube. And then the last place that you can find me is I actually do guided meditations. I started doing this because it was something that really soothed me on my journey through the ups and downs of my life and business. So I'm on Insight Timer and you can just search my name, Monique Kazans. And if you want to have an inner child meditation or you want to have an I can meditation, a motivational meditation, please check me out there. Oh, amazing. I didn't know that you did that. Incredible. Can't wait. 
Thanks. So final, final question I always ask all of our guests here is what is one way people can, can create a life that far exceeds their expectations and is better than their dreams? Far exceeds their expectations and a life that exceeds their dreams. That is a very big question, Emily. It's a very Just big one question. Way. <laughs> so what I would say that pulls through in the deepest way is to really attune and activate and find the gift that's within you. And how we do that is there is a thing that you do naturally that comes so easily sleepwalking, you could do this thing that often people in your life, people in your close circles, maybe even your clients, coworkers, colleagues, business partners, whatnot, come to you for. Maybe you're an amazing listener. Maybe you're really good at telling jokes. Maybe you're really good at communicating and walking through things. Maybe you're really good at navigating ups and downs. Whatever it is that people come to you for that is your deep gift, can you lean into that? Can you cultivate it? Can you work on it? Can you look for it? Can you acknowledge yourself for it every day? Oh my gosh, I take this for granted, but this is really a magic part of me. If you can operate from your inherent gift and you know without the shadow of a doubt that this is something that I do well and no one can ever convince me out of it because it's just a natural like superhero power that I have, and from that place, see how you can solve problems, deal with dilemmas, get through your problems, deal with anything in life, you will have the deepest sense of self, the deepest sense of resource, and the space from which confidence is drawn to go and do even the most scary of things. Hmm. So you've known me for a year or a year and a half now or so. What do you think my gift is? Oh my gosh, that is such I'm a good tell question. You yours. So I would say that what your gift is, is discernment. I think that sometimes, Emily, when people are thoughtful in certain environments, maybe they're not the center of the party, maybe they're not the most outspoken, maybe they're not big, 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 big all the time, that there is a level of what they're capable of doing that is able to discern. So my I was surprised when you reached out to me so intimately and beautifully and asked me questions and connected with me. I was surprised because I admire you so much and I see how much you think about and you care about and it's like you're measured and you're attuned and you're present in the choices I've witnessed you make or in the requests I've wished, witnessed you have. And so I think that's a real superpower of the, your ability to listen within and say, what's my true north? And then discern, am I a yes or am I a no? Do I want this or don't I want this? What do I need here? How am I gonna ask for it? I think that is a superhero gift. And I think that how you bring that into your marriage, how you're bringing that into your mothering, how I'm witnessing you bringing it into business over the last many years, how I've seen you in group environments, I just I have a lot of admiration for that strength that you have of your own inner knowing. Mm, thank you. So what I see in you is I see um, a level of safety, which is pro probably why I opened up to you so easily. Mm -hmm. And there's this lack of judgment. I remember one party in particular, I was having to freak out because there were so many people there and I was pregnant. And it was too much for me. And you just have no judgment. You're just like, you know, so it is what it is. The situation is what it is. And you're just in full acceptance and love and kindness and understanding of people. And it's so easy to be in connection with you and open up to you because it's an immediate, you know, this is safe. This is a safe space for me. And this person actually sees me. And this person believes, like we've talked about today, that I do have a level of knowing in myself. And it's not that I need something outside of myself, but she is there to be a support should I need it. Um, and so it's just that, that safety and that like almost emotional, like you're an emotionally regulated person. And yes. so it's very easy to come to you when I'm feeling not emotionally regulated. Beautiful. Thank you yeah. for that reflection. That, that makes my heart flow. I feel so seen when you say that, Emily, 
especially from you, because I so admire who you are and just love you to bits, but also just to be seen in that way. It's like there's a tenderness inside of me that so longs for people to know they're okay. And it's not up to me to make sure that they are. So if the space I hold provides that for you and others, thank you. I feel blessed. Hmm. My pleasure. Well, thank you for being on the show and having this conversation. I know it's been a gift for all the listeners and that people are going to go and look up your work, the meditations, the videos, all the things, because um, you are such a force in the world and so, so powerful and such a magnet. So thank you for your time. Thank you, my love. I'll talk to you real soon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.